Welcome to the Freelancing Friends podcast, the podcast that gives you the insight you need to become the best freelancer you can be. Be sure to head on over to freelancingfriends.co.uk, join the community and enhance your freelancing career today. In today's episode, we're joined by Rachel Pease, an award-winning marketing consultant and owner of MASH Marketing Consultancy. We discuss balancing freelancing and full-time employment, the biggest surprises once going freelancing full-time, and an honest look back on Rachel's freelancing career so far. Rachel, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Anytime. So what I generally like to do, um, obviously with every episode, is get a bit of an intro about the guest. So that can be anything from obviously what you're currently doing, back through to your experience and kind of what led you to where you are today. So I will hand over to you at this point and let you introduce yourself. Great, thank you. Yeah, so I'm Rachel um, and my specialism is in marketing. I've worked in marketing for ooh, probably just over 16 years now across lots of different roles, lots of different industries. Um, but then about a year and a half ago, I decided um, to go freelance. I think I, I was quite tentative about it. So I started off by having it balanced alongside doing my employed role as head of marketing with the trialing the freelancing on the side with a view to you know reining my days back as I went on the employed side um, to see how it went and then a year later so June last year um, decided to bite the bullet go you know fully freelance give it a proper go because um, I think what I was finding was while it was you know from a risk perspective it was good to have both going while I trialed it my head was never properly in the freelance space. I didn't have enough, you know, bandwidth to give it everything needed. Um, so since June last year, yeah, I've been fully in it and yeah, absolutely loving it. Almost wonder why I didn't do it sooner. <laughs> Perfect. Now I know quite a few people took a relatively similar approach, myself included. Yeah. Um, although I think I only lasted a few months of kind of doing both <laughs> at the same time. Um, I know a lot of it yeah. comes down to obviously you know, the clients that you've got, you can kind of mitigate that risk a bit more, build up your client base, obviously a bit slower in the background. And you've still kind of obviously got your your salary coming in every month from employment as well. How did you find kind of balancing employment and freelance? I know, as you said there, you felt like you couldn't have your head fully into the freelancing side of things. But obviously, in the back of your mind, you're wanting to grow it, find new clients, make it more feasible. So how did you find that kind of process of, you know, managing both of them at the same time? And what really made you, I suppose, decide to make that jump to freelance full time and think, I'll I'll kind of pack in the employment now? I I won't lie. It was a real struggle balancing both. Um, My employed role, as I said, I was head of marketing. I had a team of at 1.17 people to manage. So even when I reduced my days back and the days that were supposed to be for my freelancing, there were inevitably things in the employed role that I ended up having to deal with, kept getting drawn back into that. So I just didn't have the space to to really concentrate on the freelance side of things. 
Um, and like I said, I think what made me finally do it was I thought, you know, I've given it a year of trialing it alongside, had built enough, up enough of a sort of client base or interest levels for people that wanted to work with me to think, right, you know what, if I don't do it now, it's never going to happen because I'm going to keep getting drawn back into the employed side. And yeah, I think if you don't try something properly, you never know, do you? Exactly. And I think sometimes it is best to uh, jump in at the deep end as such, as long as you've kind of mitigated those risks. Did you find that you were working a lot of the time in the evenings and the weekends, obviously on the freelance side of things to kind of keep that yeah, churning 100%. over? 100%. When I, when I was juggling both, yeah, definitely working evenings, weekends. Um, and that's been the nice thing about being fully freelance. So, you know, now my time's all up to me. If I want to work in the evening, I can. If But if I want a morning off, you know, to go and do something retrospectively, it works that way as well. I can work weekends if I want, but it's just nice to have that flexibility to manage my own time. No, definitely. I mean, that was the biggest plus point for me, I think. And one of the things that really made me take that jump, you know, I've probably said a hundred times before, so people are bored of hearing it, but I struggle <laughs> with sleeping quite a lot or falling asleep. My mind's quite active. So obviously going right. freelance, it was the case of, you know, sometimes uh, if I've not fallen asleep until, you know, three, four in the morning, I'll just push the alarm back a bit later as long as I don't have a call. And <laughs> instead of working like <laughs> yeah. a zombie all day, be a bit more... Um, with it shall we say so obviously you were kind of juggling the employment and the freelance it was taking up a lot of your time but I think obviously in the back of your mind freelance was the end goal to kind of go full-time doing that how did you go around finding clients or even without clients how did you go about finding new leads to try and sign off to obviously boost the salary or revenue that you can make freelance Yeah, so probably a big part of it right from the beginning was networking. Um, So obviously it was kind of a similar time you'd set up your group, which has been fantastic. Just kind of the the people on there all in the same boat wanting to support each other, which was brilliant. Um, But I also joined um, a couple of other networking groups. So um, I'm part of a BNI group. I don't know if you've heard of Business Networking International, um, and they—that's a group that we, you know, we meet every week and support each other with um, referrals for possible business opportunities. But what I found with them as well, and you know, any networking group like yours as well, it's it's not just the business opportunities that are really great. It's that support network of people who are in the same boat, who are wanting you to do well, championing championing you really, kind of your own set of cheerleaders who have advice about all the different parts of going freelance and the business side of it and considerations that you, you know you didn't even know existed until you got into it. And they've been so supportive with that. Um, but yeah, a lot of the leads have come through those networking pieces. Um, but the other big side of it for me has been um, LinkedIn, literally just an organic LinkedIn presence. Um, so regular posting, regular engaging um, with people commenting on their posts and growing kind of my business page side of it as well. Um, and just having that balance between business posts and a little bit of, you know, your personal story to really engage people. And I've had so many people contact me just off the back of doing that, which is, you know, I feel really lucky to be in that position. Yeah, I think people obviously might think I'm biased at some some level, um, but I always push kind of the community and just your network personally as well as being one of the yeah. biggest drivers. So, I mean, for me, LinkedIn was and probably still is the biggest driver of 
the leads that come to me and my clients that I end up signing off. Yeah. Even some of those might be referrals, but they'll generally contact you through LinkedIn as well. So I put quite a lot of emphasis on that when I talk to people as being, you know, make sure you've got that presence. You don't have to be, you know, a huge thought leader in the space. You know, sometimes that puts people off. You don't need to be posting 10 times a day trying to, you know, sell a course of how to make a million in three hours, which will be nice. No, Um, it's the same, yeah. yeah. It's the same with anything, isn't it? You you want a balance. I think if you're in people's spaces all the time, it's too much. Um, but if you don't show up very often at all, then you they, they forget about you. So it's it's finding what's right for you really that fits in with your own kind of work schedule as well. Because it does take a lot of time um, to be regularly posting and come up with great content that's going to engage people. So it, it is that balance, just what works for you. Yeah, definitely. And I've always found, again, another reason for me wanting to go freelance was to kind of be a bit more true to myself, which might sound a bit cheesy, but, you know, you can obviously no, pick the clients that you work with. You can, yeah. there's less risk, I suppose, or there's less friction of being who you are, even on your socials. So obviously with my LinkedIn, yeah. I kind of just, I am me and that's how I push myself on there. You know, I'm not going to shy away from an opinion on something or whatever it might be. Um, so yeah. I find it's quite nice to, especially as a freelancer or someone who's self-employed, is to really be able to be yourself. And, you know, if a client doesn't like it or a potential lead or anyone sees it and doesn't like it, you probably yeah. don't want to work then with them just, anyway. Yeah. So No, it just means they're not for you. But no, it's definitely a good point. Certainly when you're, you know, you're working for a company, you have to be careful about what you're posting because it obviously shows where you work. It reflects on the company. But when it's just you, it's, it's almost a... A double-edged sword really isn't it you can say what you want but you, you accept the consequences and it's all on you but yeah absolutely being yourself at the end of the day there's a lot of freelancers out there offering um similar services and clients tend to choose people based on whether they've got that rapport with them whether you know that relationship feels like it's there so being yourself is a really good way to let people know oh, you, you sound like you might be a good fit for me that's it and I think obviously as we've kind of touched on there as well that's how you can really build rapport with clients and obviously find the people that not only you think you get along with, but they want to get along with you as well. And obviously if you work at an agency or wherever else it might be, you know, the clients tend to come and sign off based on what the agency can offer as a freelancer. It is you, you are your, your product essentially, you know, the services are kind of supplementary to you as a person. So no, it's always uh, top of my list to give advice to people of, you know, just be yourself and don't be afraid. But I think yeah. something interesting that you touched on, obviously, when you were talking about the communities and kind of building up your network there, was the advice and questions around things that you don't normally associate with marketing. If you've worked in marketing at an agency or in-house, for example, which obviously yeah. come down to the more business-based side of things what were the things that really I suppose jumped out to you as being oh you know I didn't think of this or maybe it's a bit more complicated than I thought it would be you know what were those things that were really 
yeah, oh, I need some... goodness. Yeah, whole whole range of things. I mean, I guess firstly, even when something as simple as setting your, your rates and your pricing, you kind of base it on, well, OK, I can work, you know, so many hours a day, so many days a week. But you can, I kind of thought, right, I've got all of this time. But at first I didn't account for the extra time I would need for you know, the admin side of it, the email communications, the calls with clients in between, the managing your own finances, you know, creating invoices, tracking all the financial side of it. And that was certainly a big one. I think the mistake that I made at the beginning and a lot of freelancers do is trying to do everything themselves. Um, Whereas I'm now firmly of the opinion, you know, do what you're good at, concentrate on what you're good at doing, which for me is the marketing side. So now, you know, I have an accountant that looks after all of that financial side of things so that I don't have to worry about it. Um, I'm, I'm not there yet, but I'm considering getting the support of a virtual assistant for a little bit of administration support. Um, I think it's just about being kind to yourself, not trying to think, right, I'm on my own now. I have to do absolutely everything and realizing that support is out there um, with people who are who are you know really good at what they're doing and can do it far faster than you can. And then it's not wasting your time so you can concentrate on the, you know, the things you should be concentrating on. Yeah, I mean, the uh, the finance side of things was, I suppose, the big one for me. Um, like you, I kind of stopped and thought, you know, I don't have to do everything myself. So yeah. luckily for me, when I look back on it, I did go for an accountant straight away, um, which has saved me countless hours uh, because yeah. if I don't <laughs> understand it, I'll just ask them and they'll explain it. But even outside of the accounting, it's literally, as you say, the invoicing, you know, what tool should I use or what software should I use for the invoicing, the the legal side of those as well, what should my um, payment schedule be, you know, how do we figure all this out and what's best? And I think, especially in the past, I think it has changed a lot now. I think in the past it used to be freelancers were kind of their own separate entity, just kind of in the background. They weren't really, you know, a group of people kind of sharing this information and there's obviously some stuff that you're not going to share. It's a bit more personal to you and your business. But in general, it is, you know, if you can say to someone, oh, what invoicing software do you use? You know, if you can ask even three people and they all come back and they've either got different answers or something pops yeah. up more often, it's kind of getting that, I suppose, peer review on, on the systems as well. There's countless softwares out there for everything to do with business. Yeah. I mean, contracts were another one that were... Yeah, they were something I was not looking forward to doing, and I did not yeah, enjoy doing terms them. And conditions, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's uh, there's the nice part of it in terms of you have that control, so you can choose obviously the payment terms, how long do people have to pay, you know, can we put anything in there to say if payment's not received in X amount of days, the work will pause, right down to this is the work I will offer, and I do not offer X Y Z, and make yeah. it very clear in obviously the contract itself so I think that's a nice part about it you know there are the stressful sides of I'm going to call it the life admin of being a freelancer but (laughs) in general you know I think overall you have that control it is all on your terms one thing that you did mention was obviously about deciding your rates now I'm not asking you to tell me exactly what your rates are I never do that with (laughs) anyone but I do find it interesting of the thought process that you went through to kind of decide on those rates, you know, what was that 
process because again it is something quite close to people's hearts um and they keep it close to the chest so there's not obviously countless data out there to say oh uh, a tech seo freelancer charges x amount on average so there's not really anything to look at it can vary massively can't it yeah um well for me I suppose I sort of I started I worked backwards really so I thought about you know how much income I'd need in order to to get what I needed to you know live my life pay the bills etc as kind of a a target that I had to have and then kind of looked at a target that included some of the nice to have so you know a bit extra for holidays the other things I wanted to do and kind of went somewhere in the middle of those two amounts um, but then when it comes to actually pricing for different clients, I, I am it's really important to me to be very flexible um, because I have clients in, you know, all manner of circumstances. So some who are startups, you know, who have this amazing business idea, um, really passionate about it, but no idea really how to how to make it a reality, where to start from a marketing perspective, how to reach their customers, sometimes even who their customers are. Um, but with them, certainly they don't have a lot of budget at the start. So I always work at a pace and a budget that they're comfortable with. Um, so it's often, you know, not an immediate thing. It's doing a little bit each month, um, focusing on the things that are most important to them first and then working it through. Um, whereas other clients who are kind of, it's still usually sort of small to medium sized businesses, but ones that are a, a bit more established, um, they often come to me because, you know, they're, they're not quite hitting their sales targets, their business pipeline isn't quite there. And so for them, I do a review of their current marketing activity, look at what's working, what's not, make suggestions on ways to improve it and come up with a plan for them to actually action and implement. Um, and for them, it, it can be a little bit more involved, um, a bit more of my time. So the rates for them can, can sometimes be a little bit more, but I really sort of flex it based on you know what in what the person wants what's achievable for them um and working yeah at a pace that works for them you know whoever they are whatever their business that's it and I think it's always important to kind of have that level of flexibility where you know maybe you're going to be on a lower rate or that could just be a lower amount of hours or days per month to begin with but it is kind of remembering you know you're building up that rapport you're building up that relationship as you move further down the line, you know, we can start yeah. upping them, which is always a difficult conversation in itself. But, you know, that's another another topic. Um, yeah. But I think one of the interesting points that you said there, obviously, so I did something very similar. I looked at what is the baseline, you know, what are my living costs, where I can yeah. pay all my bills, pay the mortgage and still have a little bit of money left for treats, like not yeah big treats is a good way to phrase it yeah yeah you know do do I want to be able to you know sometimes maybe go out for a meal once a month like so what's that baseline (laughs) that I've got and then from there thinking you know so that's exactly how much I do need there's no way around that how much would I like to be kind of earning to obviously as you said look at the bigger treats so can we go on holiday (laughs) you know do we need a new car whatever it might be but the holiday one is interesting to me especially from a freelance perspective and I don't know if you've kind of took a holiday yet other than obviously kind of the festive period that we've just had 
Um, yeah, no, I have. It's certainly an interesting one. And it's another thing you don't really think about, isn't it, when you first start out? Because when you're in an employed role, you stick your out of office on and, you know, usually it's oh, contact so-and-so in my absence. <laughs> when you're on your own, there's there's no one to, to put on you out of office. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think it for me it was definitely a bit of an eye-opener. I've had a few holidays. Um, definitely something I need to do more of. But yes. How did you find, obviously in itself, how did you find that process, but how do you go about or how do you feel like in future you will go about managing those holidays in terms of, you know, the clients knowing that you're away, kind of actually being able to shut off and (laughs) and enjoy the holiday? Yeah. What's your kind of process there? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, holidays are and always have been, always will be really important to me. You know, when I work, I work really hard. But it was something my grandma said to me when I was young, work hard, play hard. And I, you know, I fully do both. Um, So I have had a couple of holidays already. um, And the way I've approached it is, is just making sure that I'm letting clients know well in advance, you know, even just putting on, having it on the bottom of my email signature to say away so-and-so date to so-and-so date, but just keeping them fully abreast. I mean, I have weekly catch-ups with all of them anyway, so it comes into conversation when you're having, you know, those just those relationship chats so that they're fully aware. Um, but it is very important to me to have a complete break when I'm away. So I don't tend to check email and I've been quite good at that. But what I do say to them is if, you know, if there is anything absolutely urgent, um, here's my mobile number and you can text or WhatsApp if there is an emergency. But the lucky thing about what I do is it's not like you know, I'm not a web developer, so I'm not having customers contact me to say, oh, my website's crashed, it's gone down, it's urgent, I need it. It's more kind of the strategy and the planning. So there's never really anything that's absolutely emergency needs looking at now. Um, so I'm quite lucky in that respect. Um, yeah, but yeah, absolutely taking a proper break is, is something I think, you know, is important to everyone to switch off to recharge. Because um, it's so easy, isn't it? Especially when it's your own business to get so keen and engaged with it and into it that you just go and go and go and don't stop. And then you get to a point where you're like, oh, my God, I'm I'm going to completely burn out w- without almost having realised that you've got there. Definitely. And it's something that I've been guilty of in the past. Um, obviously, I've done the freelancing for kind of two years full time now. Um, yeah. The first time I did go on holiday admittedly it was I suppose you'd call it a staycation so it was still within the UK but there yeah. was the 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 feeling inside me I need to take my laptop just in case you know I don't mind if the mm-hmm. laptop's there because I need to invoice because we're maybe at the end of the month that's a more enjoyable experience to do but <laughs> yeah. I think after that it was you know kind of thinking I definitely need to have that full break so if I go on holiday now obviously the laptop stays at home um the emails aren't checked. I'll happily remove the work email from my phone for that time period. And I think, as yeah. you said, it's important to let the clients know as soon as possible. So literally as soon as I book in a holiday, I email the clients. I'll be out of this time. Yeah. Just to let you know, and then remind them obviously a bit close to the time. But it's, uh, yeah, I think when it's your own business, there's sometimes you feel pressures that aren't actually technically there. I think I found with a lot of my clients, 
you know, I've actually had a client turn around to me before and say, you need to take more time off. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, if they've noticed, that's when you know you're in trouble. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I think they tend to be quite a, a lot more accepting of it as well, though, and understanding. So I think the difference there is obviously when you do work at an agency, as you said, the out of office is on getting in touch with XYZ. From a client yeah. perspective, they know someone else is around. Um and luckily, you know, if you're a freelancer, they are kind of aware that's not the case. So, so we'll have to wait. Um, yeah, I, I like that we touched on burnout, though. That sounds like a very weird sentence to say. I don't like burnout, <laughs> but I think it's a really important topic to cover, especially if you are freelance or just run a business yourself. You know, as we say, yeah. there's those pressures that you feel to always be on. So always check the emails, get back in touch with everyone. What are your kind of top tips or what your kind of process to really make sure that you aren't having burnout and, and kind of preventing that from ever being the case? Um, I would say just being something that's worked with me for organising my time in any respect, whatever I'm doing, is to block it out in my diary, have it firmly blocked out. So if I've decided I'll, you know, I want to take a Friday afternoon off to go have lunch with a friend and, and spend a bit of time, I, as soon as that decision's made, I'll block that time out and that time does not get touched, does not get moved any way, shape or form. Um, and just having rules for myself, like my my husband works back in the office now that, you know, lots of places are starting to do hybrid. So on the days that he is in the office, We've got a rule where, you know, when he gets home, that's my time to switch off so that we have, you know, a proper evening together. Um, and it's just setting yourself little rules really to stick to and not letting yourself go, oh, you know, just this once I'll I'll work a bit longer. Unless obviously there's a massive project on that's got deadlines, which you know you know about in advance and you plan for. But on the average day to day, just having those set times blocked out that you don't then touch works for me. Yeah, I often follow something very similar I, I like to be quite flexible in terms of my working hours and you know as you yeah. say if anything pops up and it is dramatic and I can fix it I will do so but you know I've got a housemate and it is literally a case of probably 99% of the time when he gets home I'll switch off like that's it yeah. um although it is quite hard when you do work in tech on the computer because then you want to go on the computer after anyway. Um, <laughs> but I suppose so I'm, what I'm getting from that kind of conversation there is that you work from home full time, is that right? Yeah, pretty much remote. So um, most of my meetings with clients are on, you know, via phone call or Zoom. A lot of them have Zoom fatigue and a few just prefer, you know, an old traditional style phone call seems to be happening more and more which is interesting um but you know with a new client I'll I'll do an initial face-to-face -face meeting and and then at any milestones you know when we've achieved certain things we'll we'll get together face-to-face -face and celebrate with you know a nice meal or something so that kind of personal human contacts there um but remote seems to work for clients as much as it does for me um you know it's far less restrictive on time having to travel to meet face-to-face um, and it's great because you're not limited to, you know, a certain set of geographical location clients. You know, I work across the UK, speaking with a potential client at the moment in America. Um, I've got a, I work with some people who are over in Amsterdam that sometimes refer clients across to me. So it's just it's so freeing, isn't it? Geographically, you're not limited anymore um, now that the remote world is here. 
Yeah, I, I find that as well. And as I say, kind of with the flexibility of how I enjoy, I, I class it as my work life. For me, kind of being fully remote, working at home from the spare room, uh, which has now become my office, is kind of really nice. I've worked with clients from countries all over the world that I've never yeah. even thought about before. Um, and I suppose in a way, as much as we don't like talking about it, that is something that the pandemic did help was we kind of had to push Massively, into the whole, yeah. you know, 90% of people had to work from home if they could. Yeah. Um, so clients also have to <laughs> obviously deal with that themselves. But there are times when I do sit there and think, do I want to find an office, you know, locally? Do I want to find an office I can rent out each month and, and go and work there? Have you ever had that kind of thought? Has it ever crossed your mind as to whether or not you'd enjoy doing that? Yeah, I mean, in a, yeah, in an ideal world, yeah, I'd love, I'd love to have my own little office space I could trot off to in the morning. But the reality is, I live in Leeds city centre, so the cost for that, for that <laughs> office space, even if it's a tiny room, would be, you know, extortionate for something that I don't really need. Like I say, I pretty much have the house to myself every day with my, with my husband being out at the office. I've got that space that I need here. Um, it, the difference might be if I ended up eventually kind of taking on people to support, had a bit more of a team again, which is something I'm, I'm certainly not thinking about for the moment. But if ever that became the case, then I would potentially look to have some sort of a space where, again, I don't think, you know, we'd be in there all the time. Remote works for a lot of people, but just somewhere to get together every now and again for a bit of, you know, team building and that face to face contact again. But yeah, certainly for the next couple of years, at least, I'm I'm thinking it will just be me on my own quite enjoying that at the moment so no office space for the moment <laughs> oh, it's very similar for me it's you know sometimes I think to myself would I be a bit more active but the likelihood is I wouldn't walk there there are no offices in walking distance but you know getting out of the house and being around other people maybe but then I think you know them days when you kind of wake up and I can't really be bothered to travel to the office today I'll just work from home <laughs> I've just invested quite a lot of new equipment for my office as well and then I'm thinking oh well I'd have to transport that I just bought a standing desk and it's curved so it fits nicely in the room but I'm thinking that'd be a nightmare to get back out of the room now I've built it in there (laughs) (laughs) so I think sometimes as well but as you say it does come down to do you need to spend that money as well and I think similar to you in future I'll I think I would like to, but again, that kind of comes down to, would it be in a more, I suppose, a collaborative way? So whether I take on people to help out or partner up with people to work a lot more closely with them. But I have always found it, you know, people ask me quite a lot, do you not get bored of being in the house? Like, do you not get sick of it? And I was like, to an extent, but then you go outside after so long and you're like, I don't like it. I want to go back. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess the difference with it being at home is you've got everything set up the way you want it to be. And, you know, there's no rules about, you know, you can't move furniture a certain place or you're in someone else's way or you can have it, you know, just the way you want that works for you, which at the end of the day, if you're more comfortable, you're going to end up doing a better job for people. You'll get more business and, it you know, it all goes round in a circle, doesn't it? That's it. And I think, you know, everyone's got their own personal preferences I do know some people who are freelance that just went straight into an office and for a lot of people that works for them I think yeah you know you just have to do 
what works for you. But I, it's a bit of a strange question, but I obviously just touched on investing into the new equipment for myself. And mm. I don't know about you, but I find it very difficult to invest in new equipment. So I kind of did it all at once, just, okay, I need X, Y, Z. I'm just going to buy it all at once, get it done. Because obviously, yeah. you know, it, it's classed as a business expense, but being a freelancer, it's, it's also your money at the same time. So yeah. for me, it was difficult. And it, it still is for anything equipment wise, even though it's, you know, 90% of how I make the money is based off the equipment I've got. Yeah. Have you found anything similar, you know, kind of thinking, can I just make do with this for an extra year or or do I need to really get it now? Yeah, well, I guess for me, sort of equipment wise, it, it's fairly simple. It's a laptop and a headset. You know, we already had a printer and kind of an office set up anyway. So I didn't really need to get any of that stuff. But I think for me, it's more kind of like the the software and the programs that I use to create things for clients Um that you know that expense does add up each month and yeah absolutely when it's your own money you look at it and you think you know how often do I actually use that is that something I need on a monthly basis or would it be cheaper to just use something ad hoc when I do um I used the analogy actually I was I was speaking with my husband about it over Christmas so when it comes to streaming um channels there's so many if you could never have all of them at once because you spend a fortune so what we tend to do is over Christmas we took Disney just for a month while we were over you know able to watch them and cancel it once the month's done so it's kind of similar from a professional perspective if there's anything that I'm paying a monthly charge for and I'm not actually using that frequently I do kind of regularly look at it and think oh can I cut that back for now because yeah at the end of the day it's your money isn't it and it's you don't have the extortionate budgets that that you sometimes have in in employed roles to work with. I really like that analogy because I uh definitely agree with it myself as well from from the streaming platforms but yeah. yeah I mean for me it was you know the software is something that you don't hate the fact that you're paying for it but I think sometimes you take it for granted if you're working at an agency or in-house you've probably got yeah. a big tech stack you know it's spread across whereas now you know when you're paying for it yourself you're kind of thinking it's fine I can be on the lower end of all these tiers and subscriptions but yeah I didn't realize how many of the were that I would need or you can try and do without it, but eventually you're going to be like, ah, yeah, I really need to yeah. do that. <laughs> <laughs> but I think one thing that I always like to ask as well is, obviously, as you said yourself earlier, we've kind of been freelancing for full time for a similar kind of time period. How have you found it? What have been the ups? What have been the downs? And kind of just a real honest opinion on it. <laughs> Yeah, so I think kind of when I was first starting out, um, there were obviously, and you know, it'll, I now I'm now aware it'll be the same throughout my freelance career. It'll never change. But there's some months that are a bit better than others. Some months where you're you're up. Some months months where it ends up being a little lower income than you're expecting. Um, and the months where it was a little bit lower or something dropped off that I kind of thought was a certainty, 
I did get a little bit down on myself and thought, oh, you know, maybe I shouldn't be doing it. Maybe, maybe it's not for me. But then you have a word with yourself, don't you? And you pick yourself up and you think, yeah, but you know, last month was great, and it's always going to be like that—a flux of up and down. Um, that's the difference with not having that standard employed regular income, but. We, we kind of knew that when we when we went ahead and did it, didn't we? So I think that was something that got me down a little bit at the beginning. But now I'm kind of, you know, into the flow. Just make sure you've got, you know, backup savings for those months that are a little lower. Absolutely fine. Um, but again, I think a lot of people talk about sometimes when you're on your own as well at the beginning, just that lack of communication with people that lack of office banter when you're kind of in 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 a place with people and people to bounce ideas off um but I, I have been quite lucky as I say I you know I joined a networking group pretty much from the start so had that not in you know on an online perspective not face to face but I still had those people to share ideas with and say oh you know I'm thinking of this do you think that'll work um so, yeah, I think it can be a, a little bit lonely for a lot of freelancers unless they, you know, make take the time to build that network of people, those that those support people around you that everyone needs, really, no matter what you do in your personal life as well as your professional life. No, it was very similar for me. I think the first couple of months when maybe you are slightly down on the month before from a revenue perspective or you've got a project coming to an end and you know, you can kind of sit there and think, oh, have I made the right choice? But it's about really reflecting and thinking back on, was I thinking that last month when everything was great? Yeah. You know, it's always going to be the ups and downs. And I think, you know, even agencies have that themselves. And unless you are, oh yeah, 100%. you know, kind of really in depth with maybe the directors or the founders, you're probably not going to have as much of a clue on how that up and down is. But yeah, yeah, I think it is something which is difficult and I think it's always best to expect it if you're going to start being a freelancer. You know, as you said, I think the big thing is making sure you've got backup savings, like even before you take that leap, that would be something I always recommend to people is, you know, if you can try and save up one to two months minimum of what we were saying earlier, that very low baseline of this is my living cost and if I don't earn this I'm in trouble um yeah but I think you know it's just kind of being smart with money as well which again is something that you probably do in your personal life when you are employed as well but you know when you go freelance kind of that line blurs slightly because your business and personal finances kind of come together um yeah which again is another reason why an accountant is a great shout (laughs) but what I like to ask people on the podcast so there's a few questions there's no right or wrong answers um the first one is what's your advice to anyone that's looking at starting to go freelance in the very near future so what's like your top advice for that uh, well, because because I'm a marketing consultant, I would say have an actual marketing plan in place. You know, you can be the best in the world at what you do, but if no one knows you're there and offering it, then you're not going to get any business. So have a solid plan in place for, you know, where who are your customers? Where are they? Be in the channels they're in and have a plan in order to engage them and bring in that business would be my number one tip. <laughs> Definitely. And actually, that's one that we've not had the answer before. 
which is interesting oh. but is have very... you not have you not had a marketing person on before <laughs> we we have we have but um that is something that i definitely echo myself though of yeah you know we do it for our clients all the time yeah treat yourself as a client now the next question and it isn't specific to marketing tools they can be in there if you want completely up to you but what are your favorite from i suppose the perspective of being a freelancer and running a business what are like your top three pieces of software or tools that are basically imperative to what you do and make your life so much easier oh that's an interesting one three uh, okay um one I've, I've been introduced to recently actually which i'm finding really helpful is something called clockify don't know if you've come across it before but I when you're sort of myself. jumping yeah yeah when you're jumping between work for different clients and when it comes to invoicing and how much time you've spent on them it's just really useful for logging that time so you're not having to spend it just thinking oh how long did I spend on that how long did I spend on that so that's been really helpful um just it, you know it takes the pain out of that and helps it massively when it comes to invoicing time um from a marketing perspective, um, a tool that I've, I've used for a long time, years and years across different roles, um, is an animated video, video making tool called Biteable. Um, extremely cost effective. Um, there's lots of them out there that, and the prices can get ridiculous and extortionate. But Biteable is one that I've always used, really easy to use, um, that you can kind of brand to specific colors change fonts add in your own imagery as well as the ones that are in there um and i don't think i've ever had a client yet who hasn't wanted you know some of the animated moving content for either their website or their socials because at the end of the day it's you know it's what grabs customer attention is it when you're scrolling through if something's moving you're going to stop so that's something that i use quite frequently um and a third one um Probably Capwing that I use for um, adding captions to video content. Again, you know, accessibility is, is a big part of what I look at when it comes to marketing materials to make sure that everyone can access whatever you're putting out there. So certainly for social media, adding captions onto a video where someone's speaking, um, either for people, you know, that are hard of hearing, but a lot of the time people watch videos when they're out and about on the train with the volume off. So adding captions is a, is a huge thing. Um, so I use Capwing to add those um, on any video content for clients. They're the, they're the three that came to mind first anyway <laughs> perfect if they're the ones that came to mind they are obviously your favorites that's the way I see it <laughs> the next question is very broad but I think it brings some interesting answers what's your yeah. favorite thing about working in marketing um the variety just the especially since going freelance the you know complete range of businesses and people and ideas that I get to work with all with their own unique story um that I can help them tease out and, and communicate out it's that just all the difference that keeps me fresh creatively I think if you work in the same industry for a long time you kind of get it all gets a bit samey you lose that creative fresh look at things um so certainly just the different varieties from a kind of keeping me engaged perspective work-wise but just all the different people that you meet as well it's it's nice from a personal perspective just to see different people's stories their amazing business ideas and and kind of helping them along the journey and seeing where it leads them as well I really enjoy that side of it 
No, definitely. And I think I, again, echo the sentiment there of you meet people from every walk of life with complete different yeah. backstories. And, you know, for me, I think that's, it just seems quite interesting. There's many other jobs where you probably would come across that kind of range of people, but you might not, you know, get as personal with them as you do in marketing. And the yeah. final question is, where can people find you online if people want to get in contact? And is there anything specific you want to to plug into the podcast? Oh, uh, well, yeah, people can find me online. I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, my company is Mash Marketing Consultancy, and I have a website, um, www.mash-marketing.co.uk. Um, and things I want to plug, I don't know. Um, I am, well, actually two things, if you don't mind. So one of my specialisms is marketing uh, planning for the later life sector. So it's quite niche, not many marketers specialise in it. So helping businesses who have product or service geared towards the over 50s market. Um, It's something that I've done quite a lot of market research on. I work really closely with the Silver Marketing Association and I'm currently doing their third market research report. So looking at, you know, how to engage this huge demographic with all this spending power that's often kind of ignored by a lot of marketers or badly misrepresented in advertising, which really puts them off. So that's kind of a, a bit of a passion of mine to kind of improve marketing for that particular demographic. Um, but then also this year, new as well as kind of my my traditional offering of, of marketing planning and project management of putting those, those action plans into place, I'm starting to offer a little bit of training. Um, so towards the back end of last year, um, there were lots of businesses with um, business budget cuts. Um, So businesses who had quite a large marketing team that were suddenly slashed and they ended up with very few marketing people left um, and they were thinking, oh, goodness, what do we do now? We can't possibly continue to do everything that we were doing. So I'm offering training to those businesses who either have a really limited marketing team on, you know, what are the things to concentrate on? Where can you best spend your time to make sure that you're getting the return that you need? Um, but also businesses who have no marketing team whatsoever, who are either, you know, it's done by the MD or a sales manager with no real kind of marketing expertise in the background. And again, I'll go in spend some time with them and just help them focus on the key things that could make the biggest changes and bring them more wins with that you know extremely limited um, marketing capacity if they want to kind of be self-sufficient from a a business growth perspective so yeah they're they're my two little plugs if that's all right of course no that sounds great and I think you know it sounds like you've got quite an exciting year coming up while pushing those two things as well Um, Obviously, what I'll do is I will leave links to all of the relevant social profiles and websites in the description of the episode. So if anyone listening wants to go and connect with Rachel, um, go and check out her website and obviously keep up to date with all these amazing new initiatives that she's got coming up. Um, But other than that, I would just like to say thank you for joining us today, Rachel. It's been a pleasure. Um, I think there's been some really interesting topics that we've covered, some really interesting insights. And yeah, as I say, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. Really enjoyed it. No worries at all. Thanks, Rachel. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Freelancing Friends podcast. I hope you enjoyed the episode and I would love to hear any feedback you have. Remember to head on over to freelancingfriends.co.uk and join the community today. 
Also, be sure to follow the podcast on your favourite streaming services. Thank you.